0: Hudson Taylor, a name we've heard of, a man who was a missionary, passionate about taking the truth of who Jesus Christ was to China. So passionate about his Savior that he was willing to sacrifice all. Well, China wasn't real happy about that. And after Hudson Taylor had passed away, they decided it was time to defame his name. So they actually hired a biographer. To go in and get facts, but then take the facts and twist them so that they could share a truth of Hudson Taylor that made him sound like a nutcase. That was the goal. So the biographer went in and started doing research and writing things down and recording these excessive commitments and these diehard, passionate moments, and this stuff of Hudson Taylor, and the more he recorded, the more he was being persuaded that what he was doing shouldn't be done. By the time he got through about a year and a half to two years of study on this man and recording facts, he finally put his pen down and he announced to China, at risk of life, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. This man deserves accolades. More than that, the God that stands behind this man, I want to meet. He ended up Accepting jesus christ as a savior Because he studied the man hudson taylor How many people could say that would happen if our lives were studied You know we know the almighty master We know the same creator that hudson taylor knows How can we go about living a life Where we are shepherding where we are modeling where we are showing him off How can we best model The heart of our shepherd master? That's what we're going to be looking at today From Galatians chapter 6 Verses 1 through 10 Galatians 6 1 through 10 Why don't you turn with me there And you know we've got some ushers coming up the aisles They've got Bibles in their hands So if you don't have a Bible Just raise your hand We'd love to get a Bible to you Okay Just raise your hand We'll get one there How can we model Our mas- Our master How can we share his passions and show them off in our life? That's what we're looking at from Galatians 6, 1 through 10. First point, model God's passion for restoration. Model God's passion for restoration. You know, Paul has gone through five chapters of Galatians. He's talked about, you know, justification. He's talked about this idea of works-based things. He's talked about faith. He's talked about how we can love our Lord and Savior. (coughs) But what he says first now is let's begin to make sure that our interaction with one another shows it So he starts out in chapter 6 verse 1 Brothers If anyone is caught in any transgression You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness Brothers A family term, right? Family You who share the same Jesus that I do You who've got the same passion, the same Lord, the same love that I do, may we band together on this one. That's what he's saying. Brothers lack arms like family. If anyone is caught in any transgression. Now this anyone, if you look at the original language, it's really tied to the word brothers. If anyone among you, if you, as someone who trusts in Jesus Christ, knows another who's trusting in Jesus Christ, and they are caught in any transgression. You know, that thing where you break a law. That's what transgression means. Sin. They're stuck in a struggle. What does it mean to be caught in a transgression? Well, if you actually look at this original meaning, it could have meant a couple of things. One, it could have meant you were busted. You were found doing something you shouldn't have been doing there are witnesses you were caught but it also has this sense of a race being run or of a chase occurring where the wild animal catches up to its prey and catches it this this sense of a lion capturing the deer do you know what I mean and you're the deer not the lion and sin is the lion And it's catching you It's where we end up in the midst of the circumstance where for whatever reason sin Has started looking pretty appetizing And we've opened ourselves up to some vulnerability to some maybe even regularity of that sin We've become its prey And we've gone down If you know somebody Caught By sin We have a job It says if they're caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him So note this This is not a call for everyone to jump in This is not a call for all people everywhere all believers in the church to gang up on he who is sinning That's not what this is a call to What this is a call to is you who are spiritual That doesn't mean you who have an interest in spiritual things It actually means you who are walking in a more mature fashion. You who could be labeled as spiritually awake and alive and aware. You who have met Jesus Christ and been changed by him. Not just, I'm I'm trusting him in a savior, but more than that, I'm leaning on him. I'm growing in him. He is touching me and changing me. I want you to know that the number one statement in my life is, may God change me. So that I look more like him You who are spiritual I'm excited about God at work in my life You who are spiritual I have a testimony of him changing me You who are spiritual I would love to sit with you And share with you how God has rocked my world this year You who are spiritual We have a job So this is a call This is a battle cry. This is a sense of, hello, we've got family going down. And if you've got testimony of him changing you, you got a job. Come join me. That's what Paul's saying. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, let me just say this. What if I don't deem myself spiritually mature? What if I'm not sure that God's really changing me? Well, my request to you would be Take a seat And let's work together on some other things Grab a chair It's time to get spiritual It's time to get passionate about what god's doing in your life It's time to say lord. I need a testimony. I want to know you. I want to know you changing me Lord, I don't want to be the same next week as I am today I don't want to be the same tomorrow as I am today It's time for you To change me It's time for us to hand ourselves over Much like we talked about last week in galatians 5 the fruit of the spirit It's time to let the holy spirit like a glove He moves and affects you from the inside It's time for his fruit to be pouring out of you not faking it The plastic fruit we talked about last week not looking like fruit from a distance But it's really not when you get up close. It's time to go lord Take me and change me May I be the one who is spiritually mature so that I can lean in with you in your ministry of reconciliation. He says, there's a job if you are that spiritually mature. You should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now this word restore actually means to take fishing nets and mend them back together after they've been torn apart, right? Can you picture this fishing net? And it's kind of meshed and there's torn in the middle so the fish could just go right through, right? And it's taking that those pieces and getting them mended back together so that they can sustain weight and do their job again. Restore. That's how the word was typically used. It was also used where if you had a broken arm, you would set the bone, okay? Restore. It kind of has this sense of setting or repairing so that you can do the things you were meant to do. That's what it means. Okay? Restore. He says, Restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Wow, that's kind of an important little phrase, isn't it? Like, if we don't look at those few words... We can end up getting into this giant truth bashing session, right? It's just all about get in line and I'm going to bash you until you do get in line and I'm just going to maybe take my Bible and maybe even buy a bigger one so that it's a little heavier and then I'll whack you over the head with it as hard as I can, right? Because we're about truth and getting in line. Oops, we forgot the phrase in gentleness. What does gentleness mean? I was thinking about it and the best way i could come up with a description for it is it means no unnecessary pain let that settle in for a second no unnecessary pain why am i saying that have you ever had a bone set there's a little bit of necessary pain there you know what i'm saying there's a moment where it hurts but it's for the long-term good it's kind of this phrase. This was a phrase my senior pastor used up at uh, Harvest Naperville when I said under, under him on staff up there. His phrase was, my goal is not for you to be my friend in the next five seconds or five minutes. My goal is for you to be my friend five years from now. I'm most interested that in the long haul, we're in the right path. And, and in the moment, it, it may not feel as good, but if we're getting in line and we're setting the bone, we're in a good spot. We're doing the right thing. That is gentleness. So we have to balance it. it. takes a little bit of subjective call. I'm going to ask you, you have to be spiritually mature on that one, right? Because I'm telling you, we can bring a lot of pain with this verse. This is a verse where we do not want to unleash the hounds, and we create a lot of pain all over the body. But what we do want is for those who are experiencing God's hand of change to turn to the one next to him, put an arm around him and say, come join me. You would not believe how good this is. Let me ask you to challenge you with a few things. How in the world do we restore someone? I mean, we could just bold-faced attack them. We could just accuse them. What what do we do to restore them? What's that look like? You know, we put together a slide here with uh, four points on it. How to restore You might want to write these down because You're going to walk away thinking I got it And then you're going to go away and you're going to end up in a moment of truth bashing So let's write these down and make sure we really understand them first Your goal is to allow the holy spirit to work That's your absolute goal. Okay, your goal is not to say I will morph them It is my goal to drive change into their life bad plan. Okay Does everybody hear that? say bad plan with me. Okay. Bad plan, right? I am not about changing them myself. Okay. It's not you force them. They feel so manipulated and controlled that they finally just change. Welcome to external behavior management. That's not our goal. Okay. Allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. That's our goal. So there's times where you're going to need to recommend and suggest in, and there's times where you're going to need to step back. So your first goal is Holy Spirit. It's your job. Second, be praying for them. Be praying and praying and praying for them. Lord, be moving in their heart. Give them discernment. Give them understanding. Help them see how this is hurting them. Be praying for yourself. Lord, help me to see my blind spots. May I understand what's going on. Third, here's the biggie. Present Scripture. Not present your view of a logical way of handling the problem. But present scripture find principles that apply or direct rules in scripture didactic They would say right the thing that tells you exactly what to do find the stuff in scripture that leads and guides them and then don't go walking up and say Well, i'm just telling you right now Have you read first corinthians ten thirteen? Like you need to be looking for the way to escape and that's the end of it And you're like talking fast and you're talking hard. Do you know what i'm saying? Like, have you ever had that happen to you? Where someone's delivering truth at you to the point where you feel like you're getting hit with a water hose and you don't even know how to take it in? Bad plan, okay? But oftentimes, this is a good plan. You look something up, you turn it around and you say, I've been praying, and I'm just asking you if you could read something and just consider this. And you hand it to them and ask them to read and ask them to read it in context, not maybe just one phrase or verse, but ask them to read it in context. Say, What does that verse mean? What's it saying? Let the Holy Spirit convict. And then when they say, because they will, oh, so you're telling me you want me to... No. (laughs) I'm not telling you that you should do anything. I'm saying, here's God's plan. Here's what Scripture says. Listen. Heed Him. This is God's plan. Let the Scriptures talk. I'm telling you, step number three will put you in check in a big way why because usually in our christian background in our walk through the church and our experiences with others We kind of think we know what's right But we couldn't justify it from scripture if we had to And this makes us go to scripture It makes us go find where it's at and make sure we really know what we're talking about And then make sure that god is really moving there and we hand them the scripture to be challenged with And then last support them as they're making the change Support them as they're wrestling with it this is a really big restore set of steps This is really what our counseling elements look like when we start talking about doing biblical counseling here at the church When we as pastors are meeting with people, this is what we're doing We're asking for scripture to be dealt with. We're asking what they think of it What does that mean for them? A good question under the present scripture is so what's it say? And then the next question is so what are you going to do about it? Awesome application question You're coming alongside to help them see what God's teaching about what to be done. And you're not attacking and bashing. You're not jumping on them and driving through them. You're asking the Lord to teach and train as they wrestle with the very active living word of God. Okay? How to restore. Question. It says, restore them. But I thought scripture said, judge not, lest you also be judged. Isn't that what Matthew 7 says? Don't judge unless you're going to be judged yourself. How do I restore if I'm not judging? Do me a favor. Turn to Matthew chapter 7 with me. Matthew chapter 7. It's really important that we compare these two and we make sure we understand what we're talking about. Rustling of pages is a good sound. Matthew chapter 7. All right. Notice verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, so I better not say anything to anybody. We're done. Right? We close the Bible, we walk away, we're like, good, I got it. Matthew 7 tells me not to ever say anything to anyone ever. I'm done. Is that really what it says? Look at verse 5. You hypocrite. Ouch. First, take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brothers. Okay. Take the log out of your own eye. Okay. What does that mean? It means you're trying to help someone who just got a little particle in their eye. And you're trying to help them with timber coming out of yours. That's what he's saying. Right. He's using this metaphor of you're whacking them with the timber in your own eye. While you're trying to take the speck out of theirs. Get the timber out of your eye. Take the log out of your eye. And then you can help someone with the speck that's in theirs. That's why you're a hypocrite, because you're not dealing with your own stuff. Matthew chapter 7 is not a challenge to never say anything to anyone. Matthew chapter 7 is a challenge of order and priority. Work with yourself before the Lord Almighty. Make sure that he is moving in you and shaping you. We were sitting at a table yesterday at the marriage thing, which, by the way, was phenomenal. We had, I don't know how many were there, 70-something were there. And we had this... Uh, great time of friday night and saturday morning just walking through uh, biblical texts for how to have a godly marriage you know and uh, the table we were sitting at we were chatting and sharing and uh, one of the people at the table said a great challenge for me in doing matthew 7 is psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 search me O god and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting It's an awesome prayer to start out. Lord, identify the timber. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what you're saying. Lord, help me find the logs. But guess what? Once we found the log, we're not done. It's not, thanks for helping me identify it. Now we'll go pull the speck out. It doesn't say identify your log. It says take the log out. That's the hard part. It's deal with it. It's see God provide change in your heart and your life. It's be moved and shaped by him. It's go after whatever sin is in your life that you know needs to go and actually see God remove that as you live with him and walk with him and act with him. And at the point you've experienced that, you might be called spiritually mature. And now we're right back to Galatians 6.1. You who are spiritual you who have removed the logs from your eye, you who are dealing with what God is trying to ask you to be dealing with, please step next to the person next to you and put an arm around them and gently, lovingly help them towards that same path path and process. Do, Do you see it? I'm not hearing it. Do you see it? This is a big deal. This is a huge deal. Yes, the church needs to be interacting with each other. Yes, we need to be putting our arm around each other. Yes, we need to be caring for each other. Yes, we need to be dealing with our own stuff. Okay? That's all wrapped up in Galatians 6.1. That's one verse. That's a big deal. we got to make sure we really understand that. Okay. So that's just a little side note there. That's Galatians 6, one in light of Matthew 7. There is not a contradiction in scripture. It's a call to maturity. Dealing with the rod, the log in your own eye before you go pulling the speck out of someone else's. Being a change-based believer and then helping others go after their stuff. Okay. He says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. In other words be careful you start dealing with the muck and the junk and the temptations of this world You actually might trip into that same temptation Might also mean something a little different You might trip into pride And arrogance as you think I got it together That's why i'm helping you And all of a sudden we start slipping down our own little hill of pride problem keep watch on yourself Make sure that you're careful in the midst of this this is a tender, gentle function of restoring someone to where they need to be. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. This is actually a statement like, uh, be a pack mule. That, that's really what he's saying, okay? It's kind of got this negative connotation of, get ready, we're going to hoist a bunch of weight on top and you're going to carry it. Be a pack mule for the church doesn't sound like a really good banner to make does it and so fulfill the law of christ love god and love others that's the challenge love god and love others it says in verse uh, three here for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself if you think you're above being a pack mule you're wrong that's what he's saying right come on this is the job of all of us to work with each other to carry a load to be able to be at someone's house later at night Wrestling through something hearing what's going on crying with them praying with them helping them see what the scripture says Get ready to be a pack mule That's what he's saying The church that loves is a church that's carrying burdens for one another and with one another When someone's in the hospital, you're there with them When someone's going through a loss of a family member or a friend you're there with them, you're praying for them, you're supporting them. When someone's wrestling with a sin that needs to change in their life, you're there with them, you're praying for them, you're hearing them. He says, don't deceive yourself. In other words, our heart can be pretty fickle and we can think we got it together when we really don't. Just own up to the pack mule gig and let's get on with it. That's what Paul's saying, okay? Okay. Verse 3 for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself verse 4 But let each one of you test his own work And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. He's basically saying this In the beginning, we're talking about being spiritually mature. We're talking about having it together. Well, how can you know that? You're gonna have to be able to take a look at yourself a good frank hard testing look at yourself checking yourself out and seeing how you're doing and saying god Honestly, what needs to change search me? O oh God and know my heart Test me and know my anxious thoughts See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting Have you ever noticed this when you get people together? They try to put themselves on top and they do it in one of two ways They either try to compete and be the best Or they try to push everybody else down right Because honestly, I'm still head and shoulders above if I can just get everybody below my shoulders. Do you know what I'm saying? So I can sit here and I can complain about them and I can talk about them and I can badmouth them and I can rip them. And I can make sure that it's become perfectly clear that this person is incapable of anything functional down. I must be a little better. I was even able to see their problem. Right? So as we push others down, we try to make ourselves better by what's going on in our neighbor's life. Paul's saying... Don't go that route. Don't go the route of leaning on your neighbor and pushing down on them so you can get up. Check yourself before the Lord and just say, test me, Lord. Uh, Grow me, Lord. I want to change. I, I want to be more like you. I just want to be in a place that honors you and glorifies you. Let each one of them test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself. Is that sin? Boasting in yourself? What he's saying is just get your stuff clean before God so that you and God can actually stand in a good place. This word boast that's used here in the original language. It's actually not a sin statement. It's a statement of honesty and uprightness before the Lord in a way that can make you be in a position where reward is involved. God's saying, well done. Well done. That's what he's saying. Make sure you're in the well done statement. Verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. We will be responsible as we stand before the Lord for our works, good and bad. Paul's talking to believers here. There are rewards for our works here on earth. It's not about salvation. It's not in and out. It's not with him forever or not. But there are rewards. There is relationship with him. And there is payment and penalty if we're not following him. We miss out on some blessing. That's really the way to say it. So what's the whole point here? He's saying this. It's about restoring. You know, a number of years ago, a man grabbed a knife, broke into a museum, ran up to a Rembrandt painting, and took the knife and just started slashing the canvas. And the thing fell into ribbons. Finally, somebody came up, and as they came up, he ran away. Okay, the guy got away. Strangely, around the same time, Totally other museum guy grabs a hammer runs up to a michelangelo statue and starts whacking on this thing and pieces of it Start falling off and the authority figures had to decide what they were going to do with these pieces of art So They just threw them away Is that what you think happened? No way They sat down with this Rembrandt and they began to weave the canvas back together and tried to restore the canvas to a level where as you looked at this, you could see the unbelievable painting that he had painted. They were restoring the canvas to a level that it was originally intended. They took the sculpture and they, pie- they pieced it back together and even had to use some glue and spots to try to restore this thing to where when you looked at it, you could see what Michelangelo had originally put together. That's what God's calling us to do and be. He's saying, Ephesians 2.10, you are my workmanship. That word means you are my handiwork, my poetry, my special, creative, artistic design. Each of us. And as he's looking at his handiwork with the intended design, he says, sin has come in and whacked this thing up bad. It's time for us to do a little restoring. And he's asking each of us to be a part of it. He's saying, Please, come join me in this unbelievable process of restoring my handiwork beyond what it was originally designed as, what it came out as, because we were all affected by sin. We get to go well beyond that to this unbelievable God-honoring, God-reflecting handiwork. Come join me. That's what God's saying. Each of us is inside cringing a little bit right now because... This is not what America teaches, right? The American society says, let everybody live their own life. Do not get in other people's faces. And I'm telling you, it's from the pit of hell. But they're partly right because, again, if you're spiritually mature, then you're called to that. The responsibility is experience God's transforming power in your life. Be blown away by what he's done for you. Get a testimony of God at work in you. So excited about what he's doing. And then put your arm around the person next to you. And just say, come join me in this. I'm serious. You got to see this. Can I just show you a verse? Let me just show you. That's what it's about. It's about get hungry for him. And then begin to move with those around you. And protect those around you. A calling to restore God's handiwork. The ministry of reconciliation is called in 2 Corinthians chapters 4 through 6. God's restoring power. That's what he's talking about here. Are you ready? Here's the real question. Number one, are you ready to call yourself spiritually mature? If not, today's the day to get on that path. It's time to start going after God, please change me. God, please move in me. Lord, may you just powerhouse a change in me. And if you're experiencing that now and you're excited about what God's doing, it's time to say, who who around me, Lord, might I be an encouragement to? Who around me can I put my arm around and hurt with them and long with them and help them in this restoration process? Think of a name. Do you know somebody who needs your help? Maybe you need the help. If you do, let your small group leader know. Let a friend know. Let us know as a pastoral staff. Let us get involved. America's wrong. It is about locking arms side by side. And it is about caring for each other. Gently, but truthfully. Restoration. That's the first five verses. That's a lot of stuff in there All right second point Model God's passion for doing good to others Especially believers Model God's passion for doing good to others Especially believers He says one who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches In other words, take care of your teachers Take care of your pastors. That's what this says. You know, in in the early church, people were stopping doing their original work and they were starting to just become teachers and preachers for the new Christian body that was coming alive. And in the midst of it, honestly, they weren't being cared for very well. And Paul's saying, what a shame. Are you kidding? How does that actually reflect God's good character? Care for the people that are growing you and raising you. That's what he's saying. Here's the good news. This body's phenomenal Caring for pastors Caring for teachers like you guys take it out of the park. It it is fun Being a pastor at this church It is fun being cared for by this church You guys some of you are sitting here going really? I don't know if i've ever done anything. That's great. Send an email this week. Okay, but here's the reality lots of you tons of you grasp it and at so many levels are giving thank yous and 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 being respectful and kind in various ways You don't understand what it means to be in a church Where there's great care and this body has it so all I can say is Verse six good job All right, thanks uh, I would say this notice that when it says share good things that doesn't necessarily mean money Okay, maybe just share good things that are going on in your life How is God working in your life? What changes are you experiencing because of being a part of this body, because of being in your small group, because of wrestling with a friend on an issue and you're coming through some changes now? What's God doing in your life? I'd love to hear about it. T Harkness at harvestpeoria.org. Okay, fan it out. I'd love to hear what's going on in your life. Definitely share with us how God's at work. This body is on fire and it is awesome to be a part of it. Let's celebrate verse 6, because it is not a problem around here. Okay? I just want to say that. I appreciate it. Isn't it nice when we see a good challenge and we can go, got that one. (laughs) Verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. This is a challenge to say, watch out. Your works will definitely end up with consequences. Verse 8. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Sows to his own flesh. Remember last week we looked at the works of the flesh? I mean, just take a look back right across the page there. Galatians 5, look at verse 19. The works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Don't sow to that. That's what he's saying. It's kind of an obvious thing, right? Don't go around that and try to be sowing works and actions and thoughts into that. Why? Because it ends up with corruption, death, decay, destruction, hurt, pain. James MacDonald often says, we don't say don't. God doesn't say don't. He says, don't hurt yourself. Right? When we get involved in these things that he's saying don't to, it's because there's pain involved with it if you go that direction. Okay. So he says do so to the spirit Because if you do you'll reap eternal life So to the spirit that means understand what the holy spirit wants to be about understand where he's headed Understand which way he would move in this world and move that way with him the holy spirit fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control so to those things Reach out caringly and touch reach another person He says let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season. We will reap if we don't give up Don't grow weary This is what he's saying. It's not about physical weariness that can come with it. It's about heart weariness It's about spirit weariness. It's about i'm tired of being on the side of good and getting beat up So I guess i'm done It's about beginning to tip the scales towards impurity, towards flesh. We're starting to say, maybe not so much the fruit of the spirit thing anymore. That's growing weary. Growing weary, like it's not paying off, so I quit. He's saying, hang in there. There's payoff. The payoff may not be self-aggrandizing, but it's certainly God Almighty aggrandizing. Let's show him off with all we've got and hang in there. It'll happen. Guaranteed. He says, don't give up. That could actually be the title of today's sermon on another front. Don't give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do good to everyone. You know, the very character of God. Looking for ways to lift up think of someone that you know who needs a little something right now. Just think about it. You got a name? It says, do good to them. Maybe it's a kind word or an encouraging statement. Maybe it's just a note you drop. Maybe it's something you send to them. Maybe you're stopping by with a meal. Maybe you're actually going to their house and you're helping them clean or fix or do something. Maybe you know something they need that nobody else does and you're bringing it to them. Do good to them. Now do me a favor look left and look right look around This is the household of faith He says especially here Okay Look left and look right. This is where we need to be putting a lot of emphasis in our care In our doing good in our reaching out and may the character of God be reflected through us right here As people come into this body, may they be blown away by the fact that we just keep reaching out, that we keep caring, that God moving in you and changing you allows you to turn to the person next to you and go, hey man, how can I help out? What's going on? How can I reach into your, what's happening? Any needs, any way I can be there? That's what it's about. I don't know if you remember back, we collected money for Haiti about a month ago. And uh, in the midst of that collecting, we ended up going to ChurchesHelpingChurches.com. It's all the harvests collected together and all the Acts 29 churches collected together. Their verse, their battle cry verse, this, Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. As we go about restoring churches and seminaries down in Haiti, especially to the household of faith. Here's the challenge for you and for me. We need to be ready to do good so God is reflected and honored. You know, there was some scientists who decided they were going to try to study this propensity for human beings to do bad. And so what they did is they hooked this thing up where they made phone calls, and depending on the answer they got, they got to take some money out and pocket it Or if they got the wrong answer, they had to put money into the envelope, okay? And it was, let's see how this goes by the end of the day. What they noticed is those who worked in rooms that were much darker tended to shirk a little bit. They didn't get the right answer, but they took the money anyway, pocketed it. Ah, they should have given money back, but they didn't that time. And the darker it got, the more willing they were to just kind of keep pouring it into their pockets, they actually did another thing they dressed them up differently They put some in really bright shirts and they put others of them in hooded jackets with sunglasses on Guess who ended up taking a little bit more money? Somehow in the midst of our feeling anonymity in our midst of feeling a little more darkness We end up feeling a freedom to do a little bit more Wrong in our own lives They put the title over it. Their headline was darkness begets dishonesty That's deep man They didn't know where they were going with it, but we do Darkness begets dishonesty as we start going after good as we start going after caring for one another, know this You need the lights turned up. You need to be around him who is the light And as you are out of the darkness and in the light and as you know him deeply and richly And as you passionately understand what he's about, that's when you start grasping It's not about me and a little bit more money in my pocket or a little bit more respect or whatever it is you're going after may you get around him who is the light may he fill every every semblance of your being and may you be able to celebrate that as you then begin to reach out to those around you that's the plan we serve a god who simply says this i love you too much to lose you you are my handiwork i will be about restoring And I will be about doing good. Come join me in the process. We serve a God who is mighty to save. We serve a God who is on fire to have you be a part of his work. He wants you restored to levels you've never seen before, and he wants you to help as the person next to you gets restored to levels they've never seen before. He wants you to be able to simply say this, we have a God who is alive. We have a God who is moving. We have a God who is changing. We have a God who is mighty to save. And to change may we stand up with all we've got as hudson taylor did and be able to just shine his light May we stand up and be able to say lord god almighty take me change me move me I want to know you this week like i've never known you before please change me We have a chance To be able to show god off through how we act and react Are you ready? Are you ready to be a part of his restoring process? Are you ready to be a part of his caring, giving process? That's God's plan for us. Let's pray.